All right, praises be to our loving Abba that we are able to study again the words of our Father. So we will continue in the BHP to study the unfolding of the seal events. Of course, we have gone through seals one through seven, and seal number seven, of course, includes the seven trumpets. And so we're going to continue our study of the trumpets. Last week, we talked about the trumpets one and two. And it corresponds to the two world wars, World War I in 1914, followed by World War II, number eight, uh, 1918. Uh, please do watch our episode, which featured the first two trumpets, because it, I believe it's a very important part of the trumpet events in the book of Revelation. So today we're going to look at the third trumpet. We entitled it Wormwood. Now, how was this fulfilled in the history of mankind? Well, let's go ahead and look at a brief summary of the events that we have uncovered so far. If you notice in our chart here that the events are sequential, beginning with the opening of the first seal, 534 AD. You can look at the chart, the chart to see how it corresponds to historical events. 534 AD, first seal, 880, the second seal, 1080, the third seal, 1279 to 1351 is the fourth seal. And in the fifth seal, in 1524 to 1651, the sixth seal, 1755 to 1833, 1908 marks the seventh seal. And then we have the trumpets. Uh, we, the trumpet one was fulfilled with the outbreak of World War Number One. And 1918 was the fulfillment of trumpet two, World War Number Two. So 1918, uh, 1914, or when was uh, trumpet two, by the way? Uh, 1939. I, I stand corrected. So trumpet, the, the other trumpet is 19. The end of World War One is trumpet one. So 1939, I believe, is the fulfillment of trumpet number two. Thank goodness my wife is here to correct me on my date. So 1939, I believe, is the correct date um, for trumpet number two. So now let's go ahead and look at trumpet number three. But before we do that, we know that trumpet three will be fulfilled after not before 1939. So let's go ahead and take a look at the next historical event to take place according to prophecy by looking at the book of Revelation 8, 10 down to 11. Then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. So according to the Holy Scriptures, the third trumpet event involves a star that fell from heaven, affecting the rivers and the water. And because of this, many people died. And so many people died because of what the star has done to the rivers and to the springs of water. And so what is responsible for the death of these people really is the effect that this great star had, which burned like a torch. This is why we need to know what this star is and how was it able to create mayhem? How was it able to cause the death of many people? And how does it, how did it affect the rivers and the springs of water? So we'll go ahead and take a look at each of the different parts involved in this passage in Revelation chapter 8, 10 down to 11, we begin by showing you 
the Greek words behind the English translation. And this is what we find in the interlinear Bible, which uh, shows us the Greek words used that correspond to the English translation. And so I want you to focus on that phrase, uh, fell out of heaven, a star great and blazing. And so you look at the Greek words there. The first Greek word we're going to look at is the word star, because the Bible says this star falls from heaven. And because it fell from heaven, it affects the rivers, causing the death of many individuals. So let's look at the word star. It is the Greek word aster. And aster, according to the Greek lexicon, means what? Look at that, a star. Doesn't tell you that much because that's basically how it was used. But when you look at the Strong's definition, it is often used literally or figuratively. And when we think of what a star is, technically speaking, it is like a sun, right? Which is massive. And technically speaking, a star cannot fall to the earth. It is impossible. It is the earth that falls to uh, the star because the star is thousands of times more massive than the earth. So when the Bible tells us that the star is falling to the earth, we know it is speaking figuratively and not literally. As a matter of fact, when we go through scriptures and look at the instances where the word aster or star is used, oftentimes it is used Figuratively, for example, in Jude 1 verse 13, it speaks of wandering stars. These wandering stars were celestial beings. So the word star was used to describe celestial beings because these celestial beings were given the light of glory because of the authority and power given to them. What else? Revelation 1.20, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. Here again, we find the use of the word aster, which means star in English. And it is likened to the seven churches because the churches are light bearers. They bear the light of the word of God. So, so far, though uh, the objects that are likened to stars, it tells us something about their effect, it produces some kind of light, something visible to the eyes. Revelation 12, verse 4, he, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth. And so we all know that the uh, angels, the celestial beings, were also likened to stars. And even part of a reward, our reward to be given to those who overcome because Revelation 2 and Revelation chapter 3 speaks about the reward that is promised by our King Yahushua to the assemblies, members of the body of our King Yahushua, who will overcome and remain faithful to him. And one of the things that will be given is the morning star, which basically represents a type of authority or glory. And so when we think of star, when it's used figuratively, it represents something other than the, the actual physical star, but an aspect of it in terms of glory, in terms of light, is present. What else? 
In Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. We studied all about the star, the fulfillment of the star. It's not actually a physical star, but it was a planet, the planet Jupiter. And then Revelation 6, verse 13, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. So these last two examples are physical manifestations of events or likened to stars, Jupiter, right? It's a physical thing. It doesn't represent like glory or authority, right? And the stars of heaven was fulfilled in our previous studies to the meteor shower because the effect is you see a lot of light coming down as the stars were falling from heaven to the earth. So what we have is the word star used in the Holy Scriptures is often used figuratively. It doesn't mean an actual star, which is a sun, all the time. Oftentimes it is used figuratively. But there's something else we need to understand about the definition aster, the Greek word aster, which means star in English. And according to the Thayer's Greek lexicon, when you look at the root for star, it's probably, it means strewn over the sky. It's interesting, they use the word strewn over the sky. And when you look at the dictionary, it actually means untidily scattered. And so what we have here in Revelation chapter 8, verse 10, there is this great star, which is an object, something emitting light, right? that is going to be untidily scattered. And the reason why it is called a star or likened to a star is because of the description given to it. It's going to be in heaven. It's going to be great. And it's going to burn like a torch. And so visually, it's bright. Visually, you can see from heaven something, an object, that looks really, really bright, and then it's going to scatter untidily. So something's going to happen to this object. Now, this object, which is likened to a star because it burns like a torch, is going to come from heaven. It's going to be visible in heaven. Now, the Greek word used that was translated heaven is the word orano. Now, what is the meaning of Oranu? How is it used in Scripture? It turns out, according to the outline of biblical usage, it can also refer to the air or to the sky. It's likely that this object that is burning like a torch is going to be from the air or from the sky. And so when we look at Revelation 8, 10 to 11, when the third trumpet is sounded, there's going to be an object that is bright like a torch. It's from the sky, right? And it's going to scatter untidily. Now, what does it mean that it fell from heaven? We know heaven is sky. It's going to fall from the sky. What does that mean? Again, let's look at the Greek word that is used for from, from the sky. In this version of the Holy Scriptures, the King James Version, the English translation is out of. 
but the same Greek word is used, which is ek. And the word ek, according to scholars who've studied the Greek word behind it, according to them, the great star of the third trumpet may or may not be a real star of heavenly origin. If the scripture was written without the preposition ek, uh, as in epsen aster megas to oranu, fell a great star of the heaven, then one could assure that the great star in question is an actual celestial body. However, the use of the preposition ek together with the genitive form of heaven translates as from heaven and further increases the possibility of the great star being a blazing object from an origin different from the actual heaven. And so according to the explanation, because the word ek, the preposition ek is used, it tells us the origin of this object that's burning is actually not heaven. It's actually not the sky. But why does it say out of the sky or from the sky? Let's look again at the preposition, which, which is ek, right? Pronounced ek, the Greek word. When you look at Strong's definition, it says the point whence action or motion proceeds. And so when we look at the word ek, out from, it tells us this blazing object, which is burning in the sky, is going to move. It's going to proceed. There's going to be an act of motion. And so when the Bible says it is likened to a star, we know it is going to scatter untidily. untidily. This will cause it to move beginning from the sky and is going to fall. And when we look at the word fall, because it says there, the great star fell from heaven, right? Burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers. The Greek word for fall is the Greek word pipto, to fall. And this Greek word pipto is also used in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and mirror. So here in this passage of scripture, which is unrelated to Revelation, by the way, we just want to use how the word fall is used, the same Greek word pipto, and how it's used in other contexts. Here, the Bible mentions Mary who falls down, like, like the star that fell down. In this case, falling down doesn't mean going from the air and then you fall via gravity, but it's actually falling down is descending from an erect to a prostate position, as in the act of going down for worship. So one of the meanings of the verb pipto, to fall, is to fall down as in descending from an erect to a prostrate position. And so when we look at Revelation 8, 10 to 11, we can kind of summarize based on our understanding of the Greek words used and see how this could have been fulfilled. And so if it's, and when it says a great star, it's a great object. And this great object is burning like a torch. It's likened to a star because it's going to spread untidily. 
how would it spread untidily? If it's just one star and it spreads untidily, it must be pulverized, it explodes. So there's some kind of explosion leading to different particles that would descend towards the rivers or towards the land, right? As if prostrating or drooping over the land. So in summary, this event could be an object in the sky that is burning like a torch and is pulverized into infinitesimal, infinitesimal pieces, very small pieces, many, many small pieces, and will scatter untidily and descend as if prostrating toward or drooping over the land. And so what we have here is some kind of explosion, right, causing these particles to kind of descend as if prostrating toward or drooping over the land. And so what we believe uh, the fulfillment was is the Chernobyl explosion of 1986. Now, how many of you remember this event? Because when this event took place for many months and years, it was all over the news. Even comic books were created based on the Chernobyl explosion. Um, and this caused a lot of steer. It caused a lot of um, people talking, how did this happen? And it endangered the whole world because of the radioactivity, right? This is not just an explosion where it happens one night and the effect of it is gone. No, this explosion is unprecedented. Nothing like this has ever happened before, which pretty much fits the description of a seal event or a trumpet event, something unprecedented. And Chernobyl explosion of 1986 kind of fits the bill. And so why do we say it is like an explosion, like a star, and why do we say it's like falling uh, towards the land? Well, what exactly happened in 1986, the Chernobyl explosion? On April 26, 1986, a safety test on a reactor at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant near Pripyat, Ukraine, went terribly wrong, resulting in a steam explosion followed by an epic inferno. The area was rendered an apocalyptic hellscape with flames licking the nuclear plant for 10 straight days. Radioactive smoke swirled through the air surrounding the firefighters dispatched to combat the blaze. And so April 26, 1986 was the specific date of this event. And we know this was not a natural or ordinary explosion. The description from this author calls it an apocalyptic hellscape. Because if you are to look at the footage and the pictures of what happened in Chernobyl, just like the graphic that we showed you at the beginning of our lesson, it's pretty apocalyptic, right? It's like tells you judgment day is near. It alerts you to something greater, something bigger than yourself. And so it causes people to kind of think about spirituality because of this event. It was apocalyptic hellscape, according to. Uh, this uh, this video presented by National Geographic, Seconds from Disaster, explosion is an imprecise word. It was like a volcanic eruption. The blast generates the huge force of pressure against the reactor's 2,000-ton lid. Eight tons of highly radioactive debris explodes into the sky. Nothing like this has ever happened before, according to the International Atomic Energy Agency, the Chernobyl nuclear disaster occurred on April 26, 1986, 
when it did 400 times more radioactive material was released than that of the atomic bombing of Hiroshima. And Hiroshima just was what we talked about in trumpet number two. So trumpet number three, in terms of radioactive material being released, it trumps that 400 times more radioactive material than the atomic bombing of Hiroshima. And so this event was indeed very unprecedented. And so people who witnessed the event, they noticed the skies becoming bright as though a star exploded in the sky. And from there, the radioactive fallout. And uh, why are we sure that the fulfillment of the third trumpet was fulfilled in the Chernobyl nuclear disaster? Let's keep looking at the clues given to us in the Holy Bible. In Revelation 8, 10 to 11, it mentions a third of the rivers and the springs of water. And so this star, this object that exploded, and so it descended, it fell to the earth, fell and affected a third of the rivers and also the springs of water. That's a lot of body of water. And so was this actually fulfilled? Well, it's a good thing there was an agency, the NHK, which happens to be a public broadcasting service, the Japanese public broadcaster known also as NHK. They conducted a very intensive study of the Chernobyl explosion. So they presented a report and we're going to look at some of the outcomes of the research and investigation. These are people from all walks of life and they kind of converged and they put their, their heads together and they investigated the event, what caused it, what results, what kind of results and consequences it had and how does it impact even present society. And so this was a very comprehensive study, investigation and report. Let's look at some of the excerpts from this report, the NHK, the NHK report on Chernobyl, after the day of the accident, April 26, the radionuclides quickly spread a minimum, a minimum of 300 million curries of radioactive particles uh, shot up into the clouds upon the Chernobyl explosion. In southern Germany, for example, radioactive fallout was five times greater than during the period of 12 years from the nuclear weapons were tested. Computer simulation shows that within two days, it reached the Scandinavian Peninsula. Within 10 days, the whole Soviet Union and the Far East were affected. And so the radioactive fallout was not just within the vicinity of Chernobyl, it spread. The radioactive fallout quickly affected many different parts of the world because a minimum of 300 million curries of radioactive particles. It was spread. And these particles reached within just two days the Scandinavian Peninsula. And eventually in just 10 days, according to their simulation, it reached the Soviet Union and the Far East. What contributed to the spread of these radioactive particles? Again, from the same report, the environmental damage was very serious because it rained for many days after the accident. Rainy clouds heavily deposited with the radioactive particles were widely dispersed with high altitude winds. Then as the rain poured down, many 
radioactive hotspots were created. And so what helped to spread the radioactive materials? Rain. Because of the rain, places where there was heavy downfall of rain had many radioactive hotspots. And, and how does rain help the spread of these radioactive particles? Uh, if we are to accept the Soviet report, it also meant that the contamination here was 10 times greater than Kiev, a city of 130 kilometers away from Chernobyl. Rain had generated the, the hotspot. This map published by Swedish organization shows the pattern of radioactive fallout in the country. The area colored dark red from Gavel North to Sun, Sunsville marks the hotspot. We found a perfect fit when we compare it with rainfall records for the 29th of April. The greater the rainfall, the greater the radioactivity. And so not only was there the explosion in Chernobyl, there was heavy rainfall and the rainfall helped to spread the radioactive particles. And because of this, the altitude to which the fission products were carried at Chernobyl was in the region of 2000 meters. At this level, rain clouds form and the rain out washout effect results. According to meteor meteorologist, Mr. C. Person, it, caused, it is caused by precipitation. When the rain is created in the clouds, some part of the radioactivity can be included in the raindrops up in the clouds. And when the rain falls down, the contaminated air below the clouds can be washed out and another radioactivity is deposited on the ground as a result of the rain. And so because of how the radioactive particles were quickly spread because of the environmental effect, because of the climate, because of the heavy rainfall, there was a deep concern that this would be a serious international threat. And sure enough, it was, because according to the report, it might develop into a serious international issue, apart from worrying effects on marine life. The coverage team obtained data of the Black Sea that has been gathered jointly by oceanographers from five countries, including the United States. Water samples were taken near the surface at seven points in the Black Sea. At one point, cesium contamination was about 40 times greater than in clean waters of the North Atlantic. Sea currents indicated that the contaminated water had originated along the Bulgarian coast, the result of direct fallout of particles onto the sea surface. Take note, it mentions that the star, right, which exploded, it would spread to the rivers and to the springs of water. And so it's affecting bodies of water, according to, uh, again, National Geographic Channel. The press described the Chernobyl as an apocalypse. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Radioactive fuel fragments explode directly into the atmosphere. Investigators calculate they shoot more than half a mile into the sky. Some of the radioactive material is light enough to be carried by the wind and spreads over thousands of miles. Within 10 days, it reaches as far as Japan and North America. So east and west, right? That's the extent of its spread. And so according to the research findings, it's pretty evident that the radioactive material not only spread throughout Russia, but also to China, Japan, parts of Europe, the Scandinavian Peninsula, and the Americas in the Northwest. And so the regions 
contaminated by radioactive nuclides from Chernobyl reached the third of the world's water sources. And so we can say that the event that took place in Chernobyl in 1986 indeed affected a third of the, the water of the world according to uh, scripture. However, the Bible also says that many men died from the water because it was made bitter. And so it wasn't the water that killed the men, but what caused the bitterness in the water, which was what? Radioactivity. And so the radioactivity is what eventually would lead to many men dying. According to the NHK report on Chernobyl, Japanese investigators traced the radioactive contamination of water that affected the food chain, caused cancers, and killed many people. So when the NHK did their investigation, they basically traced how the radioactive fallout contributed to the ecosystem and so how, how it affected animals and marine life and eventually people, how it caused cancer and how it called how it eventually would kill people. Uh, according to this uh, report, 20 years ago, Chernobyl, Greenpeace International, Kofi Annan, the former Secretary General of the United States, assessed at least 3 million children in Belarus, Ukraine, and the Russian Federation require physical treatment due to the Chernobyl accident. 3 million is a lot of people. Likewise, Angelina Nyagu, a member of an organization by the name Physicians of Chernobyl attested today more than 7 million people are suffering due to the Chernobyl disaster. There's no president in the history of mankind. This is why the explosion of Chernobyl, it affected not only 1986 or 1987, even 20 years after, it continues to affect people because people develop diseases related to the radiation, which caused the waters to become bitter. And according to this prestigious journal, uh, the Chernobyl radionuclides in the Northern Hemisphere sometimes found 100,000 times more than the local background level. That's a significant difference. I mean, five times more is significant, but 100,000 times more? That is critically very, very alarming. Among the list of affected things are sediments, water, plants, and animals. The journal writes that the air particulate activity over all of the Northern Hemisphere reached its highest level since the termination of nuclear weapons testing, sometimes up to 1 million times higher than before the Chernobyl contamination. And so radioactivity, radioactive sediments, radioactive material, it affected so many people, so many men. And about 200 million people, including victims of, Soviet, of the Soviet Union, have already been exposed to external radiation of Chernobyl origin. Internal exposure is expected to increase as more people come into contact with contaminated foods, freshwater fish, fruits, berries, and nuts, it must be taken into account this biological concentration of radioactive contaminants. And so what killed the people the, that the Bible talks about was the radiation. And it makes sense that the event which caused the waters to be bitter would be radioactive in nature, not chemical. Because if it was chemical in nature, 
it could have been absorbed, minimized when you put a filter. And so the, the, the filtration system won't, and, and the chemical, if it was a chemical, if it was chemical nature that caused the bitterness of the water, it would not create so many deaths and it will not spread so fast. But because it was radiation, it meant it spread fast because of the radioactive particles, but also its effects is more extensive. And this is why the radiation fallout that is the result of the explosion in Chernobyl, fits the description of Revelation chapter 8, 10 to 11. But what all the more makes us certain that the event was indeed the Chernobyl explosion of 1986? Well, the Bible actually calls it by name, right? It mentions the name of the star is Wormwood. That's significant. However, for us to get the connection, we need to study plants. And we're going to read here an article entitled Mugworth, Gernot Katzer's Spice Pages. You wouldn't think it would be relevant to our study, but the scientific name for wormwood is Artemisia vulgaris, mugworth or common wormwood. In Ukrainian, mugworth is called Chernobyl. In Russian, Chernobyl is translated as Chernobyl. The name Chernobyl has an interesting history as it means place where mugwort grows in the related Indo-European languages. Isn't that interesting? The Bible describes the event, right? It's an object that is blazing like a torch that's going to affect bodies of water, causing it to become bitter, the result of radioactive, radioactive particles affecting the water, killing many people because of the radioactive fallout. And then it even names it Wormwood. And it turns out Wormwood is a name in Russia, which means Chernobyl. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And so the Bible calls out the name Chernobyl, Wormwood. This is why we are pretty confident that the fulfillment of the third trumpet event was the Chernobyl or the Wormwood explosion. And so that was in 1986. So we have 1914 for Trumpet 1, World War 1. We have 1939 for Trumpet 2, World War 2. And then 1986, Trumpet 3, Chernobyl explosion. But there's something we need to look into because I believe whenever there are trumpet events, seal events, there's always a spiritual purpose behind it, right? And I believe just like the first two trumpets, who was giving us a warning, I believe the third trumpet is also telling us something about the nature of man. And he's also telling us that we need to be careful where we place our hope and trust in. Because if we place it in wormwood, the result is bitterness, right? Wormwood is what the name of the star is called. So the star is called wormwood. And so when we think of star, the morning star, glory, authority, power, who do we think of? The devil, right? Uh, the, the shining one who was called the morning star. He was given glory, much power. But he places hope and trust in himself, sought glory for himself instead of worshiping who? Yahuwah. And what would become of him? He'd become bitter. That, that is his end. Unfortunately, so many people are following the way of this shining one, of this morning star. And because of their pride, instead of worshiping Yahuwah, 
they worship something else. And the result always is going to be bitterness. That's the message of Revelation chapter 8, 10 to 11. Yes, there's a physical manifestation of it. But Yahuwah is also telling us we have to be aware of the result, which will be the consequence when we place our hope in something else other than Yahuwah. When we worship our own glory, then seeking the glory of Yahuwah. The consequence eventually is always going to be bitterness, not joy, but bitterness. And we can see a good example of this in the book of Romans. And this is actually acting out in our days, in our day today. The book of Romans 1, uh, 22 to 24, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the loss of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And so here's Apostle Paul, and he's basically reprimanding people who place too much stock on human wisdom. Human wisdom is not bad, per se, because of human wisdom, what have human beings been able to accomplish? They're able to pr uh, make significant strides and progress towards curing disease, right? Medicine, science, technology is making it very comfortable for us. Uh, the advancement of technology allows us to meet together, even though we're miles and miles apart. And so we are enjoying some of the fruits of human wisdom. Because of human wisdom, many discoveries in science have been made. But sometimes, I mean, all the time, whenever you place your stock, whenever you place your hope on human wisdom, to the point that you neglect the one who created you, that's not good. And according to Apostle Paul, this is what's happening with human beings. Time will come, Apostle Paul is telling us, when human beings, instead of acknowledging Yahuwah, instead of acknowledging the creator, what will they do? They will change the glory of the incorruptible God. And so they professed to be wise, they became false. And so when people discovered um, nuclear force, when they, people discovered how to build power plants, what eventually happened? They use it against each other, right? Hiroshima, Nagasaki. And because of their desire for power and because of the advancement of scientific discovery, when people place their hope in human wisdom, it's called humanism, when people do that instead of Yahuwah Abba, they become fools because only foolish people end up killing each other because of wisdom, right? This is why that's the downside of human wisdom. When we glorify ourselves because of human wisdom, human wisdom will take us away from Yahuwah and it will result in bitterness. And because human beings, instead of giving glory to Yahuwah, they, they changed his image into, a, to, into an image made like corruptible man. They resorted to idolatry. And so what eventually happened? The Bible says God gave them up to uncleanness into the loss of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And so when people, although they become more advanced in their knowledge and in their human wisdom, what do they do with that wisdom? This is amazing. In the book of Romans 1, 25, 27, we read 22 to 24, right? Paul's talking about human beings who's claiming to be wise, which is true. Human beings have advanced 
significantly ever since the 1900s when it comes to knowledge and wisdom. But what did they do with that, with that knowledge and wisdom? Let's keep reading, 25.7. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of the sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserve. And so according to Apostle Paul, after the advancement of human wisdom, what did they do? They traded the truth about God for a lie. Instead of teaching the schools, the students, the young people, that Yahuwah God is the creator of all things, what did they teach instead? What did they teach instead? Evolution. And so people, especially during the 1980s, about the time of Chernobyl, because in the 1960s, they banned the uh, teaching of the Ten Commandments in the, the schools, right? And so what did they replace it with? They replaced it with evolution. So they removed the Ten Commandments from the school in 1963. They replaced it with evolution. And so now what are we suffering? We're suffering now the consequence of replacing the Ten Commandments with evolution. Because when the Ten Commandments was replaced with evolution, what happened to the thinking of human beings? They changed the truth of God for a lie. Yahuwah God is no longer the creator. He's now the created, he's now created by the figment of our imagination. What's the creator? Natural processes. And so what is the conclusion when a person disregards the Ten Commandments and begins to believe in evolution? They begin to think that human beings are just animals. And if human beings are just animals, they can do whatever they want. If there's no God who will give me rules, who will give me commands by which to live by, I prefer that. And so many people today, this is how they, their mindset is, because there's no God, there's no Abba, they can do whatever they want. And so what did Yahuwah do? He gave them over to a debased mind. Basically, Yahuwah was saying, if you don't want to acknowledge, I created you. Yahuwah says to them, okay, have it your way. Do whatever you want. And what is the result? People do unnatural things. And this is what we see today. People clamoring for same-sex same marriage, homosexuality, right? And the Bible says this is the result because Yahuwah has abandoned them to their desires. And what would be the end result? Let's read Romans 1, 28 to 32. In fact, in the final passage of our studies, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires of those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. And so the end result, when human beings begin to glorify themselves like wormwood, 
right? like the star called wormwood, when you begin to glorify self, the end result is always bitterness. In fact, that's one of the meanings of wormwood, bitterness. When a person falls because of pride, that's what the star falling kind of symbolizes. It's when you become proud, you become like a star that falls. And the result is not only do you become bitter, everything you touch becomes bitter. It affects everything in a negative way. What's the opposite of bitter? It's joy, right? You see, people, because they insist their own way. And nowadays, when you look at what's being put out there on Facebook, social media, we live in society where it's all about me, right? It's what I feel like doing. And so the adage is, if it feels good, it must be right. But the Bible tells us the Ten Commandments is what is right. You see the shift? It went from God towards self. Whatever I feel is right, that's right. Instead of believing that what is right are the commandments of Yahuwah Abba. And so what happened is like the star fell to the earth. And the result is bitterness. And bitterness is expressed right there, right? Sin, greed, hate, envy, quarreling, deception. Not only that, even though they know what they're doing deserves death, they keep doing it anyways and encourage others to do the same. And so the spiritual message of Wormwood is we have to be careful with pride. We have to be careful with relying on human wisdom, and, but instead to cling on to the ways of our Father Yahuwah to cling on to his Ten Commandments and to rely on him at all times. That is our lesson for tonight. Let us all stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Abba, most holy and gracious Yahuwah, thank you so much for your blessing, for giving us a message. We know, Father, that there are times when our flesh begins to do the thinking for us, help us to realize what is right is not about what we feel. But what about what you said? You have given us long ago guidelines to live by. Your Ten Commandments. Your commandments that will lead to joy, not bitterness. Teach us, loving Abba, that we will practice them in our life. To glorify you, which we believe is our purpose in the first place. Our King Yahushua, may you please be with your servants. May you strengthen our faith. Bless us with wisdom that comes from you. Help us to place our hope in you, for you are the living Logos, the living Torah, the living word. Father, peace be with us as we continue to work together in the assembly of Yahushua. Mm -hmm. Father, we believe you have listened to our prayers. We ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.